Trials come in all shapes and sizes, from small interpersonal conflicts to massive global pandemics. Is there any way to make them easier to bear? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah suggests that you can radically change your view of trials by looking at them from God's perspective. From When Your World Falls Apart, here's David to introduce his message, Psalm for a Dark Night. Well, friends, there's an old statement that I read years ago that goes like this, never doubt in the darkness what God has revealed in the light. That's a really great principle. When Christians go through difficult times in their lives, they often forget whose they are and who God is. And the secret to surviving dark times, according to Psalm 71 and many other places in the Bible, is focusing on the light of God's truth. You see, darkness isn't a real commodity at all. It's just the absence of light. When light comes, darkness goes. Find the light of God's Word for your dark night. We're going to talk about that as we open our Bibles to the 71st Psalm. Hey, friends, we're going to the Caribbean, and we're going to leave on the 27th of December and return on the 7th of January. It's kind of our annual conference cruise at the end of a busy season. And this year, we'll be leaving on the 27th from Fort Lauderdale and visiting all kinds of great places. It's an 11-day cruise and features Michael Sanchez, Uriel Vega, and the Martins, who will be with us uh, for music. And the entire program is presented by Turning Point, and it will be a wonderful occasion for you to recover from the stress of the season and be blessed in your heart by music and the worship and by teaching from the Word of God and the unique fellowship that comes uh, when we get together with each other. For more information about the Caribbean cruise, let me encourage you to go to our website, which is davidjeremiah.org slash events. There's a beautiful brochure available. You can download it online or have it sent to you. But the Caribbean Conference Cruise is December the 27th through the 7th of January. It's a wonderful way to end the old year and begin the new with good friends, with the Word of God, with beautiful scenery, an incredible ship and with a wonderful time together. We hope you'll come and be with us. Find out about it at davidjeremiah.org slash events. We hope you'll join us. I have been thinking a lot about why God brings things into our lives and what he does in the process of it. And I want to tell you up front, I have got all the answers by any means, but you learn things in a dark night that you don't see in the daylight. And some of those things I want to talk to you about today. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning at the the Green Hospital. And without going into all the details of what I was experiencing, I had uh, taken this treatment and I was on morphine. I've never been on morphine before. I don't recommend it. I was on a morphine drip, which means it was dripping into my system. And it was going on all through the day and night. Well, morphine has different reactions with different people. And I would sleep for a little bit, and then I'd wake up, and I'd be just totally wide awake trying to figure out what was going on. Where was I? What was happening? It was during one of those nights when I was not sleeping. I was, I guess, on that for about five days. I woke up, and I remembered that someone had given to me a scripture verse and said, Pastor, you need to read this. And I don't even remember now who it was, but it was an angel of God. And at three o'clock in the morning, not in my right mind, but being 
the best I could be at that moment, I pulled out my Bible and I began to read Psalm 71. And it was incredible to me what that Psalm did in my life. And I don't want to go into a lot of detail about my own personal experiences because this is really not about me. This is about God Almighty and what he can do in any one of our lives. And he has certainly trusted each of us with our own set of challenges. Even the best of God's people at one time or another are prone to ask questions when things happen they don't understand. And that is because of our humanity. Things do happen. How many of you know things happen? It was like that for a a man that I read about who was a hard-hat employee who'd had a really difficult accident, and he was asked to fill out a report. And he filled this report out to try to be helpful to his supervisors, and this is what the report said. When I got to the building where I was working, I found that the hurricane had knocked off some of the bricks around the top of the building. So I rigged up a beam with a pulley at the top of the building and hoisted up a couple of barrels full of bricks. When I had fixed the damaged area, there were a lot of bricks left over. Then I went to the bottom and began releasing the line. Unfortunately, the barrel of bricks was much heavier than I was. And before I knew what was happening, the barrel started coming down, jerking me up. I decided to hang on since I was too far off the ground by then to jump. And halfway up, I met the barrel of bricks coming down fast. I received a hard blow on my shoulder, and then I continued to the top, banging my head against the beam and getting my fingers pinched and jammed in the pulley. When the barrel hit the ground hard, it burst its bottom, allowing the bricks to spill out. I was now heavier than the barrel. So I started down again at high speed. Halfway down, I met the barrel coming up fast, and I received severe injuries to my shins. When I hit the ground, I landed on the pile of spilled bricks, getting several painful cuts and deep bruises. At that point, I must have lost my presence of mind because I let go of my grip on the line. The barrel came down fast, giving me another blow on my head and putting me in the hospital. I respectfully request sick leave. How many of you at one time or another for the way life beats up on you have requested sick leave to God? You know, I just want to drop out for a while and not be a part of what's happening. Well, the 71st Psalm certainly was penned by someone who was going through a similar experience. There is no superscription to Psalm 71. Often at the top of the Psalm, you can learn who wrote it. There is no superscription here because they're not really sure who did write it, but it is pretty evident to me that it was David and that it is a continuation of the thought process that you find in the 70th Psalm. And most scholars who have tried to pinpoint when this Psalm was written by David say it was during the time when his son Adonijah was trying to usurp the authority of the throne which David had promised to Solomon. So here was David in his old age, His two boys, Absalom, who has already tried to take the throne, and Adonijah, who was trying to usurp Solomon's role. And David is going through some heartache. You talk about trouble with your kids. David could have expected it by the things that he did in his earlier life, but David paid a price that was heavy. And there's no pain that's like parental pain, and David was feeling it at the very core of his life. 
I guess it really doesn't matter too much who wrote the psalm because it's God's word and it's filled with truth that will help us no matter what our problems might be. One of the things I do know about the author is this. He was well acquainted with the word of God. For in the 24 verses of Psalm 71, there are over 50 quotations or allusions to other psalms. The psalm itself is simply a compilation of God's word. Over and over again, you see phrases that are from another psalm here, and and the psalmist put it together in this most poetic form. So I want to talk with you for a little bit about the kinds of things that happen to us and how we are to respond and what we should do when they happen. First of all, I think it's important for us to take a visit to the reality of the trials in a believer's life. Sometimes people get the impression that if they're Christians, they should never have any trouble. That we should get a card that says, exempt from all suffering as soon as we accept the Lord. But there is no evidence that that has even been an afterthought in the Word of God. We are not exempt from suffering. We are human people. The different dimension is how we deal with it. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, Beloved, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing had happened to you. It's not strange. It's not unique. Everybody goes through difficulty, whether they're believers or not. And as the writer of Psalm 71 faced the pathway before him, He saw that it was suddenly a very steep hill to be climbed with many, many obstacles to be overcome. And he writes about it with a passion that only he could express. If we look through the psalm, we will begin to pick up some of the reasons that we have trials in our lives. For instance, sometimes we have trials because of ungodly foes. Notice verse 4 of chapter 71. Deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. David had some people who were his enemies, and they were creating stress for him. The word cruel there is a word from which the Old Testament gets the word leaven. It means he was wicked, and he was spreading his wickedness every way he could. It was fermenting. And it was ugly. Sometimes you have problems because of enemies. Maybe you have someone where you work or someone that you have to deal with in another company. Someone who knows perhaps that you're a Christian is decided out of their anger at God to make you the focal point. And so they do everything they can to make your life miserable. I know some Christians whose lives have been turned upside down because of another individual. It can happen and it can happen to you. Sometimes we have trials, says this psalmist, because of an uncertain future. Notice the ninth verse of the psalm where David speaks about getting old. In fact, I must tell you, when I first read this psalm, I thought it might have been a cruel joke on the part of whoever gave it to me. Because later on in the psalm, the psalmist says, Oh God, please don't forsake me when I am old and gray-headed. I sort of felt at the time I was reading that that I was both. But notice how he alludes to the fact that sometimes trials are a factor of our biological clock. He says, don't cast me off in the time of old age and don't forsake me when my strength fails. And sometimes there is a trial that comes to us because of sickness. You're going along and everything's fine and you never dream that you'll ever hear the word cancer related to your name and then you hear it and all of a sudden the reality settles in and 
you realize that you didn't vote for it, you didn't get to ask about it, you didn't have anything to say about it, and it happened. And as you know, it's not a respecter of people. Sometimes people think, well, if you're a pastor, this shouldn't happen to you. Well, why not? I'm a people before I'm a pastor. (laughs) And things happen to people because of our humanity. He gives us another clue as to why we can have problems. In verses 10 through 13, sometimes it's because of unfaithful friends. Notice what he says in these verses. For my enemies speak against me, and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor who seek my hurt. David has some people who are trying to subvert his authority. These are not foes. These are people from within his own circle. The folks who are trying to hurt him, if this is a part of Adonijah's rebellion, were not just enemies. They were the people of his own family, his own son. Absalom tried to take the throne away from David and Adonijah tried to take the throne away from the son of David to whom he had promised it. He knew that his father was old and so he rushed to try to work a power play against his own dad. Can you imagine how that must have hurt? Sometimes people tell us of their family troubles and the trials that come because People who once were in love become bitter enemies one to another. The lawyers that I talk to tell me there is no more bitter scene in all the world than you see often in a divorce court where people who have been bound to each other by vows have now become bitter enemies and they come together in a court of law to destroy one another with hatred in their heart. And a person who has sensitivity toward God in any sense of the word cannot help but just die inwardly when that happens. Sometimes trials come because of unfaithful friends. But there's another thought here in this psalm, and I'm not taking this right now chronologically, but I'm just showing you the thoughts that God gave me in the psalm. Sometimes we have trials in our lives because of an unequaled father. Did you know that God's involved in our trials? He doesn't just know that they happen to us, friends. He allows them, and sometimes he even sends them. Did you know that? Just as a father who loves his children will allow his children to experience difficulties and try to work them through so they can grow in their knowledge and strength of how to deal with difficulties, God often sends difficulties into our lives to strengthen us and to make us better children in his family. And you surely see this in verses 19 and 20. Also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you, you who have shown me great and severe troubles. God, you did it. He said, there's no God like you, but you've shown me great and severe troubles. And some of you could say, yeah, I'm in that class. He's done that to me. Say, why would God do that? Why would he let that happen? When troubles come and trials come into our lives, and whether they're for these reasons or any other reasons, there are certain reactions that we have. Let's talk about the results of trials in the believer's life. How do we feel when that happens? 
Oh, we have many different feelings. And people have asked me over the years, when you found out you had cancer, were you afraid? Absolutely. Totally afraid. Yes, I was. Afraid to die? No, but not anxious to do it either. (laughs) My fear was more the loss of my relationship for at least a period of time with the people that I love and all the kinds of things that go through your heart went through mine. Let me tell you what you feel when trials come into your life. David, or the author of this psalm, has certainly touched on numbers of them. First of all, sometimes you feel so totally vulnerable. There's a sense of vulnerability. You know, especially for those of us in the male gender who've had pretty much everything under control, you know? We've got it all figured out. We're going to have 40 more years to do the things we planned, and we're going to take care of our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, and we've got it all scoped out. And then something happens that begins to cast doubt on the possibility of all that, and you feel so vulnerable. An interesting thing is that the seventh verse of the 71st Psalm says it this way, I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. What David meant was that everyone was watching him to see what he would do. If that's true for the average person, let me tell you, if you happen to be a Christian leader, it's really true for you. You feel a sense of great pressure and vulnerability. Notice what David did. He didn't know what he would do, but he was watching God to find out what God would do. That's what any of us does when we feel that sense of vulnerability. Then when you go through trials, whether it's illness or any other kind of life-threatening thing that happens to you, you not only feel a sense of vulnerability, you feel a sense of insecurity. Notice in verse 2, David cries out, Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Lord, I want out. Help me to get out of this mess. Let me wake up tomorrow morning and it won't be there. Verse 9, he says it the same way. He says, do not cast me away in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. One of the commentators that writes on this psalm, who I read, titled the psalm, Psalm for a Godly Old Man. (laughs) I like the godly part, the old man part I'm not sure about. But if it is true that this psalm was written to help those who are maturing in age, Let me tell you, there is no need for those who are facing that like the need of security, is there? So often, the natural defenses that older people have against life's injuries are gone. They are retired from their employment. Sometimes their health is failing. Many of their friends are dying. Their minds are not as sharp as they used to be. Their income is greatly reduced, and they feel very defenseless and oftentimes very insecure. And the need for God is realized at a greater extent. And it's interesting to me that when David writes of the metaphors for God's help, he uses two main metaphors. One of them is in verse 3. It's called a strong refuge. He said, God, you're my strong refuge. (laughs) And the other's in verse 3 too. He says, you are my rock and my fortress. When you're getting through with the growing old process and things aren't the way they used to be and you begin to not feel as strong and secure as you need someone to whom you can go who will be your fortress and your strong refuge who will be your rock and David said I found in God that he is that one for me praise his name not only do you feel vulnerable and insecure but when you're going through problems you feel a sense of dependency you know one of the great characteristics of a strong leader 
before he knows God, and if he's not walking with God, one of the great characteristics is he is self-reliant. He is independent. He can make his own decisions and chart his own course and do his own thing. But sickness takes that away from you. And life-threatening things that come into your life begin to erode that sense of totally independent determination. And all of a sudden you begin to realize, this is something I don't have any control over. Lord, I don't know what to do with this. I've never faced this before and I don't know what to do. Oh God, if you don't break through for me big and strong, I'm in deep trouble. Lord, you're the only one. You say, well, I haven't been there yet, but I'll tell you what, your biological clock is ticking and you will get there. All of us face that. We face the sense of vulnerability, insecurity, and dependency. And then sometimes along with this dependency, there's almost a feeling of panic or emergency. Notice in the 12th verse, David says, make haste to help me. Lord, please do it now. Lord, I know this could take a long time, but if you could, Lord, just wave your wand over this whole situation and make all the hurt go away. Make all the pain disappear. Take away whatever it is that they say is in my body that shouldn't be there. Lord, just make it be gone. Isn't that what we feel? What I love about the Psalms is they were written by a real person who faced trials just like we face, and he didn't try to put a spin on them. He just told it like it was. Well, you say, Pastor Jeremiah, that's reality of trials and the result of trials in our life. What do we do with them? Someone has said the psalm is filled with great praise and great complaining all at once. And I don't know if that's true, but I know that after you get past David saying what it really was like in his own life, he takes the high road and he shows us a direction. And I hope if you don't hear anything else I say, you kind of write down these few things because I believe these are critical to all of us. We don't have a theology of adversity in the church these days. We've got all of this prosperity gospel that's so permeated all of the stuff we do so that now we have positive this and positive that. And how many of you know that as much as you'd like it to be, life just isn't always positive. Sometimes the positive things get interrupted. I'd like it to be positive, but I'm a very positive thinker. But I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have a plan going into adversity, you won't do very well with it. Sooner or later, all of us face it of one kind or another. Unexpected, unannounced, uncharted, unplanned. What do you do? Well, let's follow through with David in his plan of operation. Notice, first of all, the response to his trials he remembered the character of God. Notice again the first three verses. Notice what he said. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. Whenever we face our trials, we need to remember who God is. Sometimes we get so focused on our trials, we forget that. We need to go back as believers and focus on the character of God. It's interesting to me that as you take your pen and you go through this psalm and you mark it carefully, David filled his whole prayer here. His whole psalm is filled with references to the very character of God himself. And that's what really happens. You know, God shows up when we're in difficulty. He literally shows up in a way that you can almost touch him. I remember that. 
I remember feeling that it was almost worth going through what I did to sense and feel the closeness of God. I'm not saying it ever want to happen again. It was a very difficult time, as many of you know who've been through it. But God is there, and He always will be, no matter what you're facing. And He's with you now. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're experiencing, you may not see Him, you may not hear Him in your heart, but God is there. He's just waiting for you to reach out to Him through your prayers and through the Scripture. And He wants to show you Himself and show you what He can do in your life, even during dark days. So don't forget to do what David did. And friend, don't forget to join us tomorrow for part two of Psalm for a Dark Night from Psalm 71. Be sure to ask for your copy of the book, Sleep on This, our resource for the month of August. When you send your gift to Turning Point, simply say, please send me the Sleep on This book, and we will. And we'll see you tomorrow, too, right here on this good station. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, When Your World Falls Apart, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Sleep on This a nighttime devotional with biblical reflections to bring you peace and rest. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, When Your World Falls Apart, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Are you searching for a way to begin each day filled with energy and joy? It starts by saying good night to restless sleep. In his book, Sleep on This, Dr. David Jeremiah provides nightly readings to help quiet our minds and calm our spirits. And when you donate $75 or more to Turning Point, we'll send you a special set that includes this book and material from the series, When Your World Falls Apart. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. In September 2014, CNN reported on new waves of persecution against Christian churches in one region of China. Curiously, police are tearing the crosses off the top of many church buildings to dilute the Christians' visibility in their communities. 
Statistics suggest that there are now more Christians in China than official members of the Communist Party, though party officials deny it. It was the early church father, Tertullian, who said that the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. That appears to be true in China, where the church continues to grow despite persecution. Please pray for the persecuted church. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's promises to the persecuted on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.